there's a story from this week. Okay. Tell me all about it. So, believe it or not, I was very athletic in high school. I know. Yeah, I know that. I believe it. Would you believe I was? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you played softball. Mm-hmm. But Zeth and I have talked about how he has never seen me play a sport because in high school we didn't speak to each other. Uh-huh. And then my sister plays on an intramural volleyball team. Now? Yes. Oh, okay. And they were down a few players, and so they were like, hey. My sister was like, hey, can you come pick up play for us? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. And then I was like, fine. Zeth, you should come and just see and just watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> the first serve comes straight straight at me, and I was mentally unprepared for it because it's been a while. I put my hands up, but the ball still just, like, nailed me right in the forehead. <laughs> oh, no! And one of the girls on the team, was she was really nice. She was like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, man, just my pride is hurt right now. <laughs> my ego is feeling a little bruised. <laughs> but then I recovered, and we had a fun game. Then my sister dropped me off at home. But I was... I was hungry, and mm-hmm. I was sweaty, and I wanted dinner, and so we had, I ate fish. Yeah. I'm pescatarian. I say vegetarian for the sake of ease, but I ate fish. And this is a lot of connecting stories to just tell you about okay. something <laughs> that won't be very insignificant. A lot of lead up for not a lot of payoff. Perfect. But- <laughs> That's how I tell every story. We, Zeth and I got this fresh tuna on our anniversary we went to the coast and bought it off the boats and then so we were like okay let's make tuna cakes you know yeah yeah and i was sweaty but i wanted food so i was like i'm not gonna shower yet i'm just gonna take off my shirt Uh and so i was in like high-waisted high-waisted workout pants and a sports bra Mm -hmm. i'm at this pan i'm cooking and i'm a dumbass not wearing an apron and so now i have uh, grease popped as I was cooking mm-hmm. the tuna, and now I have burns on my stomach. Oh, my I burned s- a titty doing that once. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I lived alone for a while. You can cook bacon naked if you want to. <laughs> I don't suggest it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Anyways, I guess the moral of the story that we both now follow all that lead up to this. Cook with your shirt on. <laughs> That's right. Or an apron. Mm-hmm. Something. Mm-hmm. Protect your business. Yeah. From <sighs> grease. Yeah. My stomach is so delicate. She doesn't see the sun much. I like to keep her hidden. Ditto. <laughs> so when the when the grease happened, it was... Oh. I was in pain. I bet. Oh, that's a bad day. Mm-hmm. First, I got nailed in the head with a volleyball. <laughs> And I got fucking grease splatter on me. That reminds me. I got in the car the other day. I called Danny because I called Danny every morning on my way to work. And I go, I was like, I'm pretty sure the neighbor across the street just watched me like karate chop a spider web <laughs> and then smack myself in the face with my lunchbox. <laughs> oh, no. Which, let me, let me just make this perfectly clear, is not like a lunchbox. It's like a bag. But I Uh-oh. also had like a quart jar of peaches in it. <laughs> Trying to get rid of them. And so just like fuck thunk just right in the noggin as I'm like. 
<laughs> trying to get this fucking spider web off me. Mm. <sighs> We've had a hard week. We've had a hard week. <laughs> that's 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 why we're having cocktails <laughs> tonight. <laughs> oh hello! Oh hello, everyone! Hi, everybody! <laughs> this is that broad Scott Moxie. Yes, they call me Kiana on account of the fact that my name is Kiana. <laughs> The person I was laughing. Like, I was like, come up with something funny quick. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm Cassie. That's it. That's all I got. My mom occasionally calls me Pookie. But hmm. now I can't believe I just told that to the world. <laughs> Who am like I? This. What's what's a few nicknames? Go ahead and name a few nicknames that you've had. Nicknames that I've had. Okay. Here's here's this here's a real solid one. Mm-hmm. I was a I'm trying to toot my own horn, but I was a very good um, volleyball player in mm-hmm. high school, and was I was just always on the ground. They, mm-hmm. I was always in the back, mm-hmm. just diving and diving, scrapping, diving, dip, dodging balls mm-hmm. left and right, right. <laughs> um, and so my coach called me slick because mm-hmm. I was just all over the place. However, I had a friend. Whose last name, when you wrote it, kind of looked like Pickle. Mm-hmm. So, her jersey said Pickle on the back. Mm-hmm. So, when we sat next to each other... It was a slick pickle. It was a, it was a slick pickle. Up and down the hallways, at games. Real, real class act. Nobody thought of that until I saw a picture of it later in life. And I was like, oh, no! That was, yeah. That's good. So that's that. Um, that I don't really, ha- I never really had a lot of nicknames. KBZ is my my DJ name. Mm-hmm. Cassie Bear. I had a friend call me Cassie Bear for a while, which is where KBZ kind of derived from. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I don't really, I don't think I've had Short Stack. Peaches calls me Short Stack because he's Peaches because... And- He's peaches, and I'm short stack because I love pancakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and high, uh, April in high school called me. Fuck. She called me rice cakes because <laughs> I called her cracker mm-hmm. because she liked Eminem a lot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is appropriate, a cracker. And so she called me rice cakes. That's another. I almost forgot about that one. What about you? What kind of nicknames you got? A lot of variations of the name Kiana. Kiana. Keeks. Uh-huh. Kiki. Um, I've gotten banana. Got called oh, banana. Kiana Banana. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cute. my cousin calls me Munchkin, because I'm the youngest in the family. Uh-huh. And then she also calls me Martha Stewart, oh. on account of the fact that I like Martha Stewart a lot. <laughs> Look, that's a fucking broad with Moxie. <laughs> Dibs. No! No! <laughs> Oh Sorry. shit! Sorry, that was a very rough Keith's, reaction. Keith's gonna throw. I don't know if I'm gonna live past this recording, everyone. <laughs> I'm very sorry. We've been recently talking about. This is. I care about. Look, I care about Martha Stewart a lot. Look, we've if been. You, talk- if you have <laughs> such strong feelings, I rescind my dibs. <laughs> we've been talking about. Well, I've been talking about decorating our kitchen, mm-hmm. and we have this beautiful place right above our sink where, like. 
four pictures can go, mm-hmm. and I want it to be chefs that I like. <gasps> I love that. And obviously, Martha Stewart's going to be up there Duh. because I need her to be in my life. Yeah, along with um, Samin. Samin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that one that you like that I don't like, uh, Michael. Oh yeah, yeah. Michael Simon. Michael Simon. I was. I've been. What about of- the barefoot Contessa? She's a She's fucking great. gem. Mm. Ugh, I've been thinking about I watch a lot of Bon Appetit videos uh-huh. on YouTube and so Brad Leone and Claire Saffitz I've oh. been thinking about putting up okay. there too also Julia Child would be a mm-hmm. great inspiration Yeah, and I think Sage and other people in the house like uh, Gordon Ramsay <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry well. <laughs> like guys I've been making a lot of fart noises just for no reason, for probably the last five minutes before we started recording. That is true. We sang camp songs. <laughs> well, let's get into the let's story. Let's get in- oh, for Pete's sake. I thought we were still doing the intro. Did we introduce ourselves? Yeah, we did. We did. We did. <clears throat> okay, we're on episode 28. 28. 28. Cassie Eight. goes first. That's all my lucky number. Oh. 28. It was my... It was always my jersey number for, like, every sport I played. Because I print my papers single-sided. I'm just going to hold Because you hate the environment. Here. Oh, my <laughs> God. Shady bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. What are you doing? All right. So, I'm just... I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. So, first of all, question. Do you know anything about classical music? I know a, a bit... A bit. Okay. I can tell so, you right now I don't know any female composers. Oh. You're gonna. <clears throat> Perfect. I'm just gonna adjust my glasses like a pretentious dick. <laughs> <laughs> so you've heard the name Mozart? Yep. Okay. So some of... Now I completely forgot what his whole name is. Wolfgang. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Right? Okay. So some of his works... Include the Magic Flute, the Marriage of Figaro, and Eine Kleine Nachtmusik, mm. which is a little night music. Yeah, I'm aware. I speak German. You I speak, speak German. German. <laughs> <laughs> However, he did not start out as a solo performer. Mm-hmm. He was actually the junior member of a duo. Is this his sister? It is. Okay. It is. He was accompanied by his equally prodigious older sister, Maria Anna. Hmm. Maria Anna, who go who went by the nickname Nanel, was a brilliant and talented harpsichordist and violinist, received equal acclaim to her brother uh, during their lengthy tours around Europe in the 1760s. So that's who we're going to talk about today. I am excited. It Okay, let me start by saying, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about her. But I then watched this really great movie. Hold on. Let me tell you who wrote it. It's called Mozart's Sister. And it was made in 2011 by a man named Rene Ferre. <laughs> so I watched this movie. It was really good. It's subtitled, because it's all in French. Yeah. It's fictional. 
but it's essentially it's their it's their story as like a traveling duo yeah doing music right jonas brothers but, back in the day exactly <laughs> donnie and marie no of the 1760s hansen <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the fictional aspect is that she meets Louis XV's son, mm-hmm. and that they have, like, they fall in love, and she writes him a bunch of music, and blah, blah, blah. None of that's true. Mm-hmm. This um, is a fan fiction about <laughs> <apparently>. her life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a very good movie. And, like, the costumes were beautiful, the filming and everything was really really nice i liked it a lot and then i was like hold hold the fucking phone how much of this was real and so then i started my research Hmm. so maria anna was born in salzburg um i almost said germany salzburg austria on july 30th 1751 she was the first child from leopold and anna was her parents name she was the first child to survive infancy Oh. They had had, I think, like seven children that never made it more than a couple months. Oh, that's true. So, um, Mariana was the first one, and then four years later, Wolfgang was born. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two that they had that reached adulthood. So, Leopold, her father, was a musician, composer, and a music teacher. And by the time Mariana was seven, he was devoted to just educating his children in music he did a good job he sure the hell did (laughs) (laughs) so she began to learn how to play harpsichord and before long little wolfgang was essentially like inspired by watching his older sister whom he loved and adored playing and eventually was just like right alongside her wanting to learn and do what she was doing as most children do. Mm-hmm. Both children picked up technique incredibly fast and just had a natural ability to make music. So by 1762, Leopold believed his two little prodigies uh, were ready to get to work and prove their skills. So they did just that. And during a visit to Vienna, Wolfgang and Maria Anna played for the Empress Maria Theresa at the Imperial Court. So this was their first, like, guest appearance. Mm -hmm. And obviously it went well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now the little side note. So Maria Anna, before Wolfgang could write, she wrote down some of Wolfgang's compositions when he was too young. Oh, wow. So it's possible and most likely that some of Wolfgang's compositions are actually hers. Oh, wow. Um, in the movie, it really kind of, I don't know. It just had this really great way of like expressing, like just hearing music in your head Mm -hmm. and, you know, both of them just kind of walking around kind of singing songs to themselves or singing you know, notes themselves and then going, that's brilliant. And like writing it down. And this apparently happened very early. However, because he wasn't able to write and she could because she was older there, there's a good chance that she took whatever was in her own mind to kind of 
piece these things together to create full, you know, full sonatas and things like that. That's cool. Also, when he was, uh, later in life, when he was in London working on, like, one of his first, like, full symphonies, she wrote it all down and orchestrated the whole thing for him. So he wrote, like, a piece for it, like, either Mm -hmm. the harpsichord or the violin, and then she orchestrated it for other instruments to create, like, the whole package. It's unclear how big their collaborations were, um, but she was an extremely talented musician. So as they made their way from one venue to the next, both children grew in confidence. So this is a quote from their father that he wrote to a friend, you know, a friend of his. And he said, we played a concert on the 18th, which was great. Everyone was amazed. Thank God we are healthy and wherever we go, much admired. As for little Wolfgang, he's astonishingly happy and also naughty. (laughs) Maria Anna is no longer in his shadow, and she plays with such skill that the world talks of her and marvels at her. So, this was the first, like, I don't know, indication Mm -hmm. that he was like, yeah, yeah, Wolfgang's great, Mm -hmm. but this concert... Everyone was just drawn to her. Mm-hmm. So in the summer of 1763, the Mozart family band. Because <laughs> <laughs> all I could fucking think of was like the Partridge family. Yeah. Or Donnie and Marie, like I said. They embarked on what would come to be called the Grand Tour. So this tour spanned four years. Again, much like last week, these goddamn wagon trains <laughs> that are taking months to cross these vast empty spaces in the Midwest, they, like, the whole fam family is packed up into a carriage. Yeah. <laughs> and riding, f- you know, in this carriage for hours. Man. A day. For four years. Now, mind you, obviously, they stopped and did, you know, performances and stuff. But still, they basically lived out of suitcases Mm -hmm. for four years. And I can't. That's a lot. It sure is. And they did more than 88 performances across Western Europe. That's a lot of... That's a lot of moving. A lot of shaking. (laughs) Shaking bacon. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so they played for royalty, nobility, and, you know, just the common folk. And sometimes their performances lasted three hours or more. And that's, that's, it was almost always Maria Anna on the harpsichord Mm -hmm. and Wolfgang playing the violin. Could you do me a favor? Tell me. Explain what a harpsichord is. A harpsichord is like the predecessor to a piano. Okay. So you play it much like a piano, Mm -hmm. but it's, I'm pretty sure, did you see the new Beauty and the Beast? Nope. Like the, who are you? (laughs) For fuck's sake. Stanley Tucci plays a harpsichord in it. (laughs) (laughs) He's got one broken tooth. Well, now I'm on board. (laughs) Stanley Tucci playing the harpsichord. No, no, he's not playing a harpsichord he is the harpsichord oh well mm. (laughs) 
I can't. <laughs> you had me, and then you, <laughs> then you lost me. But he's a talking harpsichord. Man, you, I'm, I'm so you know mad. how Beauty and the Beast works. I know how works. Beauty and the Beast right. works. I just, I'm just saying. He's brilliant. He's really funny. <laughs> he's in love with the wardrobe upstairs who has narcolepsy. She's a real hoot. Keeks <laughs> just looked at me like, what fucking fever dream are you in right now? I just didn't. I just. Maybe I haven't seen Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's a harpsichord. Okay. We should. Can you just enter a soundbite in there when <laughs> Kiana says, "What's a harpsichord?" and then your explanation, and then that soundbite. Tell me later if you can do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, traveling all over, more than eighty-eight performances, very fucking long performances. I don't know. Also, if you've ever played a violin, very difficult instrument to play. Peach has played violin for a little while. Anyway, um, so while both children were very talented, their father focused primarily on promoting Wolfgang's career because, well, surprise, surprise, he's a boy. Yeah. And so that being said, I do have a little side note. So... The society was basically that, like, women... There were women composers Mm -hmm. during this time, including Maria Anna. However, the ones who could, like, show off their work were nobility. Yeah. And her family was. Her father was, like, the musician in a court of someone or somewhere. But women always had to play for free it was always just entertainment essentially like oh i'm gracing you you know Mm -hmm. or or thank you my liege for choosing me to play for you today uh because basically if they made money off of their music uh they were like thought of as prostitutes like what kind of yeah yeah like very different work yeah both equally valuable Mm -hmm. but Apples and oranges. Apples and oranges, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> really. Truly. So, there's no future in her making money or, like, having a life as a professional. So, he was like, why worry about you when your mm-hmm. genius little brother... We're not going to profit off Maria. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Even though, and this is another quote f- f- that he wrote... He says, my little girl plays the most difficult works which we have with incredible precision and so exactly. What it all amounts to is this, that my little girl, although she is only 12 years old, is one of the most skillful players in Europe. So, again, instead of fucking either promoting them equally Mm-hmm. Or continuing to allow them to play together, what have you. He was just like, you're here as a showpiece, mm-hmm. and that's it. Despite how fucking talented you are. The Mozart family band, and <laughs> it's really my favorite thing. <laughs> that's to really good. Can that be the title of this episode? <laughs> Mozart family band? <laughs> we'll see. Well, maybe, maybe. They enjoyed the finer things in life, thanks to the two young prodigies. 
lots of fine food and beautiful clothing. They had lots of servants. They stayed in the best lodgings and just like constantly showered with gifts from like admiring nobles and royalty, etc. All of these like awesome things mm-hmm. made their traveling a little less terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I guess so. Yeah. However, their like traveling and stuff was frequently halted by illness. Uh, you know, good old dysentery. Yeah. Uh, among other things. Hygiene wasn't a thing back then. It sure wasn't. Here's why. Oh, this grand tour of theirs was actually put on hold for four months. This was the longest they'd ever, like... That's why it took four years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Constantly having to stop because someone's puking their guts out. Maria Anna came down with a severe case of typhoid. Oof. Which is not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> I almost did Typhoid Mary, so oh. you can't do her, but my I'm going to in the future, I think. my Unless she's on your fucking list She's already. not on my list. Okay, good. My Star Wars character in the RPG game yeah. that the house plays, <laughs> Okay, I wanted her to be named Typha Mary, because I was like, I want her to be named after Typhoid Mary. Yeah. And Zeth was like, mm, no. And so my name is Typha Prax. Oh, that's a fun name. Too, it anyway. is. I like but it. I am named after Typhoid Mary. Gorgeous. Important I love it. <laughs> uh, where was I? Okay, so she can't. She comes down with this terrible case of typhoid, mm-hmm. which is from ingesting dirty things with your dirty fucking paws. Yeah. And then Wolfgang nearly died from smallpox. Hmm. Not great. That's also not a good one. No, it, it, all bad. So, four months, they take off. They're rested and restored, and the tour finally continued, and when it ended in 1766 with their last show, like, in their hometown in Salzburg. Mm -hmm. So, as a 15-year-old girl, Maria Anna was no longer, like, marketable. Yeah. (laughs) Right? She's she's not a child anymore. She's a woman now. And she's a woman, period. We're not making... Practically a spinster now. (laughs) She's 15. Come on. Let's go ahead and marry her off to somebody ASAP. So in 1768, uh, Wolfgang and his father went off to tour alone. And Maria Anna stayed home. It's very upset. Yeah. Um, But she, she didn't give up music. Like, she continued to make music and play music her whole life in fact her her father and brother would send her sheet music for like from you know their journeys um so that her and her brother could play together when they came back home oh they had a super close relationship mostly because they had the same interests Mm -hmm. uh but also i think they bonded a lot because they were like, fucking A, I wish dad would just get off my back already. I don't want to practice anymore. <laughs> don't want to keep touring for four years. They grew up in a carriage, basically. Yuck. And then Mar- this is when, when she, so she's 15. This is when she kind you know, she tried her own hand at like composing her own like big pieces of music and would send them to Wolfgang mm-hmm. and he loved them. He thought they were great. He gave them, you know, rave reviews when he would send her 
like responses in the mail. Yeah. Or he'd say, oh, what about, you know, here you could do this instead. However, none of these pieces of music survive the test of time. Mm-hmm. They've all been lost to the ages. Yeah. So then in 1778, again, she's just at home growing old yeah and withered yeah you know 20 (laughs) (laughs) and her brother and dad are off touring and showing off how great he is Mm -hmm. blah 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 whatever so 1778 her mom dies huge huge blow to the whole family yeah but maria anna became essentially like the father's her father's housekeeper and companion Mm -hmm. and was just there. Lady of the house. Lady of the house, exactly. At the ripe age of 27, her obedience to her father was unflappable. She grew up, he was very strict, obviously, her whole life. Mm -hmm. That's why she's so goddamn good at what she does. Yeah. But she also, I think she kind of was like, I'm not worth anything. Mm -hmm. And so just held her father in like a really high regard and just did everything he asked. So when he told her to stay home, take care of the house, etc., etc., she did. Yeah. There's a tiff between Wolfgang and his father. Basically, Wolfgang was like, I'm a goddamn adult. I'm mm-hmm. going to go get married. I want to perform where I want to perform and do my music, etc., etc. And so they had this big falling out, and Maria Anna sided with her dad and uh, for all the reasons previously stated yes so that didn't that didn't go well and when wolfgang kind of went out on his own the rift between the once close siblings just grew and grew and it remained for the rest of their lives Hmm. which is a huge bummer yeah in 1783 maria anna married Johann Baptiste Franz von Berchtold. Boy, that's a name. I was going to say. Shit, that's a name. <laughs> I was waiting to see if you were going to tack any more on. Oh, Zusonenberg. Oh, cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that just means, like, from Sonenberg. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. He's got Johann. She married Johann. Yeah. She's practically a withered old maid by now. Because yeah. she's, she's, uh, let's see. 20, that was 27. So she's 35. Oh, yeah. No, she's past her. Point. She's basically, <laughs> what good are you? You're not, I'm not getting anything out of you. But also, Johan was a twice widowed magistrate. Okay. Who had five children mm-hmm. from his previous marriages. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm just looking for someone to take care of these little bastards. Yeah. Like, I can't deal with. I'm a busy man. Please marry me and yeah. come take care of business. Do this labor and yeah. not be paid. Exactly. She moved from, like, taking care of one household, her father's, mm-hmm. to just taking care of someone else's household. goddamn kids and house. And Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she she marries him. He um, has her first child, who is a baby boy. Named after her father. So his name is Leopold. And in fact, Maria Anna left little Leopold to be cared for by big Leopold. Hmm. 
Not real sure the motivation behind that. Sure, but five kids. It, that's true. Probably she was like, mm-hmm. I just can't. And if he was, if the if her husband wasn't looking for another child, mm, yeah, that that definitely last plays in, a role. First out. <laughs> was, <laughs> that's my speculating. Uh, indeed. So baby Leopold lived with grandfather Leopold mm-hmm. for two years. And I, much of that was like, Grandpa Le- Leopold was like, oh, another child that can turn into a prodigy. <laughs> yeah. I said that wrong. Prodigy. <laughs> I, I'm going to be it's, honest look, with you. I think you've said it wrong every time you said it. It's very strategy <laughs> strategy for me. Uh, so it's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> People know what you mean. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. So he's like, oh, Okay. Let let me mold you, mm-hmm. but th- he died after two years. So <laughs> then she went picked up her baby and was like, okay. But then her husband Johan died, so now she is a widow mm-hmm. with six children. Yes. So then she Maria Anna then moved back to Salzburg because she was living in. I don't know. She was living in another city, mm-hmm. just close to Salzburg with her husband. And then moved everyone back to back to the home base, and then she supported her family by teaching music lessons. Oh, because again, can't make any money of her own selling yeah. her music. Yeah. That makes her a hussy. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Anna and Wolfgang were still estranged at the time of Wolfgang's death in 1791. Mm-hmm. He was only 35. Mm. Nobody knows how he died, like, to this day. It's a fucking mystery. Hmm. Yeah. So he died very young. She lived a very long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> as time passed, she became the guardian of essentially, like, family memories. She had this huge, like, treasure trove of family letters and journals and things like that that, you know, that they had kept. And she also took it upon herself to gather all of her brother's compositions and made him very, very famous posthumously. Right? Mm-hmm. That's why it's 2019 and we know who he is. Yeah. But sadly, no one knows who she she is. is. Surprise fucking surprise. <laughs> <laughs> her health uh, began to decline in the early 1820s. And by 1825, she was blind, mostly deaf, and bedridden. Mm. Very sad. And then on October 29th, 1829, she died at home and was buried at St. Peter's Cemetery in Salzburg. And just an interesting little thing. Mm -hmm. So she's buried in St. Peter in in this cemetery, but she's buried very close to Johann. Michael Haydn, mm-hmm. who is the very talented musician, musician, composer, and also the the lesser known, not famous brother to Franz Josef Haydn. Okay. So, these two <laughs> fucking musical geniuses mm-hmm. unto themselves. Mm-hmm. That lived in a shadow. That lived in the shadow of their siblings are now buried together. Like, 
very close to each other in the same cemetery. Weird. Mm. Very weird. I bet their ghosts are friends. I bet they're pissed. <laughs> <laughs> they're just constantly like, fuck those guys. <laughs> I am just as talented, but dad always supported you. <laughs> That's, But they say it with Austrian accents. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Nope. Because we don't get, we're not going <laughs> to I'm not anybody. even. I'm not even going to try. So although her compositions did not survive, her prodigious talent and musical genius created a foundation for her brother to build his successful career. Hmm. So that's that. And like I said, I want like a Mozart's sister. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really good movie. I highly suggest it. But also I got my information from SmithsonianMag.com, mm-hmm. LiveAbout.com, and um, OpenCulture.com. There are articles on those websites. Yeah. That was really interesting. Yeah. That's a name that I've never heard. No. Mozart. Is, you just... Me, oh, mm. that guy. Okay. Mozart, yeah. But, yeah, the fact that he had a sister who wrote her own music and played music literally her whole life into her, like, 80s. Yeah. And... Nobody fucking knows who she is. Man. Yeah. That was nice. Thank you. Who are you talking about this week? So, I am talking about... I call her Ada Lovelace. Okay. But it may be Ada, or that name... Yes. ...is said differently in different sources. Okay. But I call her Ada. Ada, okay. And my sources are biography.com, Wikipedia... A thing by a woman named Doris Langley Moore called Ada, Countess of Lovelace. And also a paper by Joan Baum, and it's The Calculating Passion of Ada uh, Byron. Yeah. Yes. So, I earlier said that I have an attachment to her because I've been very lucky in my math classes in that I haven't had to do a lot of math in my... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Perfect. Because that's not my wheelhouse, I will say it. No, not me neither. So my senior year in high school, in my applied calculus class, we had oh. to do a historian, or not a historian, uh, a mathematician. Uh-huh. Duh. <laughs> I was like, you're doing a historian in math <laughs> class. We had to do a mathematician and do the history of them mm-hmm. in a presentation. And I chose Lovelace. I went to college and was in the art the the class the art of maths in which mm. it was more of a like history lesson about math uh-huh. rather than me sitting in class and doing math there Man, was math i would have enjoyed the shit out of that math oh class. and they cut it the year after i finished it Ooh. so i really Close lucked out by the skinny of your teeth <laughs> but i did I had to do two presentations in that class and i did it on at a lovelace because i was like i already know this chick mm-hmm. love her and then I did another one on the mathematics of sex, which oh. I might do. There is a woman who's at like the forefront uh-huh. of math and sex. She's very interesting, so I might do her later. Sexy. Just, just, just a thought I had. Mm-hmm. And then I have an attachment to her because I know a lot about her. I could probably talk about her without taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've written two goddamn papers on her by now. But in the last few months when I was living in London, the Science Museum had an exhibit 
of Lovelace. Oh. And so I actually, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about today, I actually got to see. That's really cool. And I got to see, like, her handwriting and so oh, I oh I love it I love, love this girl these little details also she has the best name Lovelace it's a good one it's a good ass name uh huh so here we go tell me she was born Augusta Ada Byron in London England on December tenth eighteen fifteen her parents were Lord Byron the famous poet the Lord Byron oh yeah the, the Lord the Byron Lord Byron <laughs> and Lady Anne Isabella Milbank. Um, and she was Lord Byron's only legitimate child. Mm. So I think he, he had, like, a number of them because he was sort of a... a One bit, of those guys. A bit of a slut. <laughs> <laughs> we are not slut shaming. He's a man whore. He- <laughs> Is that better or worse? It's worse. It doesn't matter. He was a sexually liberated fellow. Um, but she Wow, was- <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> but she was the only legitimate child of his. So he was married when he had her. All the other kids, you know, you know what legitimate means. Yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't too stoked about having a child. Uh, the first words he spoke to his daughter. She was born. He was holding her. Yeah. Oh, what an implement of torture have I acquired in you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's glorious. But she wasn't that much of a torture to him because... He left. I was going to say, he probably wasn't the fuck around. Yeah. Her parents' marriage was not good. Uh-huh. Also not long. Just weeks after she was born, her mother separated from Lord Byron because he informed her uh, that he was having an affair and he was going to continue to have this affair. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking ballsy. And he was like, so I'm having this affair. Could you... No. Leave the house. Obviously, you're taking the kid. I can't. So that I can have my mistress here. And oh. she was like, and obviously. Fuck right Anne, off. <laughs> and was like, well, we're uh, never speaking again. Right. And they officially separated. Um, Good and af- for her. After the separation, a few months later, Lord Byron just left England. <laughs> and never returned. Oh. And so Ada had no memory of her father and was raised entirely by her mother. That's impressive. Well, that being said, her mother Mm -hmm. had a huge effect on Ada's life. Hopefully good. (laughs) Her mother... Jumping the gun. Her mother had a lot of bad memories of Lord Byron Uh and was like, my daughter will be nothing like him. If it's the last thing I fucking do. Mm -hmm. So instead of studying, like, arts and literature, like most aristocratic young girls did, Uh, uh uh she was like, no, you're fucking not. Math and science for you only. Okay. (laughs) And this was novel for the time. It was unusual to have a woman studying math and um, science um, how can your fickle lady brain even handle it <laughs> exactly Ugh. her mother believed that engaging in the these rigorous studies would prevent lovelace from developing any like artistic and like moody and temperamental <laughs> habits of her father <laughs> we don't want her getting hysterical exactly. stick her with the math and sciences and so her mother was super pre- concerned with how her daughter was 
brought up. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't really concerned with her daughter in any other capacity. So she wasn't happy in the marriage, and I don't Mm. think she was happy of the reminder of Mm -hmm. the marriage. Yeah, real bitter. Um, So Ada was often left in the care of her grandmother and and or slash or her tutors. Oh, okay. Because she was privately schooled. Woman. Uh Yeah, you know. In one letter to Ada's grandmother, her mother wrote, I talked to it, (gasps) it being Ada. Oh my gosh. I talked to it for your satisfaction and not my own. And shall be very glad when you have it under your own. (sighs) Rough childhood. (laughs) To say the least. In addition to what I'm assuming is a lot of emotional pain from having two shitty parents, she suffered a lot of physical pains growing up. Uh, She was chronically ill, beginning Mm. at the age of eight. And she would experience migraines that took away her vision for short periods of time. Oof. Which Mm -mm. might be epilepsy. Like, if she were to be diagnosed Okay, yeah. And she also contracted measles at a young age. Oh, that's Which left her paralyzed for an extended period of time. Uh Uh-huh. And so she was subjected to a lot of bed bed rest. But this bed rest probably prolonged her suffering because physical therapy would have been the answer to her pain. And not staying still for months on end. Yeah, but physical therapy wasn't a thing. yeah. Because of her time in bed rest, she read a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Often... (laughs) 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 Because of her time in bed rest, she read a lot of a myriad of things, including her father's poetry, because she was sort of very interested in the idea of him. Uh Uh-huh. But... Because he was, like, a taboo thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just have to interject right there. Okay. I was dreaming about (laughs) corgis. But knowing you, when you said she read a lot because she was in bed rest, I was like, ah! Those corgis can't read. Why are we not fucking recording this? I'm so angry that you paused that. <laughs> I didn't. I paused your talk. Mm, I know. I know, but I'm the fucking mm-hmm. comedy gem <laughs> right here. I'm so recording. So. Oh. Recording. Hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was explaining her actions to us. Uh. So. <laughs> That's why I thought it was. <laughs> I swear to God, I looked over when you went, and I was like, what's funny about that? I didn't know either, and I was like, um, should I keep going? Should I? I'm sorry. Oh my God. I, Hysterical. I can't deal. All right. Fucking. Danny's just going to continue to fall asleep and have funny dreams. <laughs> She's going to think of Ada Lovelace as a corgi. Oh my God. <laughs> Doing math. <laughs> and then she's going to laugh and be like, <laughs> corgis can't math. <laughs> Where was I? All right. She's reading, she's reading her dad's poetry and was like, this is kind of scandalous. Oh, yes. 
So she read a lot, and then also the tutors would visit her while she was in bed. Tutors as in, like, not... Not the tutors. Yeah. Teachers. Her teachers. T-U-T-O-R-S. Yes. Would often visit her in bed and give her guidance to her studies. So she was mad smart at a young age. Yeah. She was extremely intelligent, and at the age of 12, she began to conceptualize a flying machine. Oh. She went about her project, like, methodically and thoughtfully, and Uh she had an imagination for it and, like, this burning passion. She was like, I can't walk right now, but I'm gonna fucking fly. (laughs) Right? It's gonna happen. So she studied the the anatomy of birds. And would, like, test the suitability of various materials Uh to see, like, what can can support me. This is wild. And she even illustrated her plans to construct this machine. Uh, She wrote to her mother, quote, I have got a scheme. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we love a good scheme. (laughs) To make a thing in the form of a horse with a steam engine in the inside, so contrived as to move... An immense pair of wings fixed on the outside of the horse in such a manner as to carry it up into the air while a person sits on his back. A mechanical pegasus. That's fucking rat. I was literally <laughs> just going to be like, I'm sorry. Is she going to build a fucking mechanical pegasus right now? She conceptualized it. Can I have one? <laughs> Ada. I, Ada. Lovelace. I'm going to need one. <laughs> Give me one. Put me on the wait list. I want... My own fucking Pegasus. Fantastic. Um, So she never built it. uh, But she decided to write a book about it. Hold on. You're being fingered. Oh, (laughs) I can assure the audience that I am not. I am being beckoned closer to a microphone. Lost control of Cassie, everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As I was saying before, I was being fingered, according to Cassie. <laughs> Ada wrote a book called Flyology. Flyology. To illustrate her findings. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when she was 17, her inquisitive mind was highly admired by her tutors and who were also like predominant thinkers of the time because uh-huh. it's just the circles they ran and she had the top people teaching her. Everyone is so goddamn smart. Yeah. They had the money to, you know, <laughs> not worry about exactly. what they were going to eat, <laughs> when they were going to eat. Um, <sighs> and she off. So she was with prominent thinkers of the time and she would often question like basic assumptions of science Mm -hmm. by also integrating like poetic thoughts and observations oh yeah just believe it i took out the quote (laughs) (laughs) made it a little too long okay lovelace truly believed that intuition and imagination were critical to effectively applying mathematical and scientific concepts okay she valued metaphysics as much as mathematics and viewed both as a tool for exploring the worlds unseen around us. Mm. 
So she was very imaginative. Yeah. And she had the methodology behind it to, you know, question, pick apart, and study it. Uh Uh-huh. So though her mother tried, her father's poetic tendencies seemed to be inherited. Inherited. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Also inherited from him were his vices. Uh Uh-oh. So in some articles, she's Uh a bit of a... A bit of a slut, like her father. (laughs) (laughs) But in other ones, she's not. Oh, okay. Depends on who you ask. Yeah. And I sort of... I sort of believe that she wasn't. Uh Uh-huh. But whatever. Either way, it doesn't matter. She can make her own choices, but... Exactly. People are gonna fucking judge you one way or another regardless, and that's just how history was written. Exactly. One of these lovers that she allegedly had was with a tutor in 1833. Oh. So she tried... Hot for teacher. Yeah. (laughs) She tried to elope with him, Uh uh, but was caught by her mother and her mother's friends. Boo. And then her mom was like, stop that. (laughs) Don't do that. And she was like, fine. And so she didn't. (laughs) And it just didn't happen. Um, She also loved to gamble. Who doesn't? We'll we'll get more into that later, because it actually was pretty bad. Gambling addiction is a problem. Mm -hmm. And also, another one of those things that's like, was it a thing or Uh not? Was a drug problem. Oh. Opium? Because she was in chronic pain. Oh. Oh, I was right. Yeah. So she was being... (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, what can I think of right off the... What what were they doing back then? Opium. That's right. So she was in chronic pain, so they were giving her drugs. So it's likely that she developed an addiction towards Mm -hmm. it. But it wasn't like um, as frowned upon. Yeah. It wasn't like she was freebasing crack in the bathroom. (laughs) Like she was... She wasn't doing lines. Yeah. But I mean, she also maybe was hitting hitting the the morphine a little a little too hard a little mm-hmm. hard yes so that's that's her vices that's okay. a little a little into a private life hmm. also into her private life in 1835 she married william king a man 10 years her senior hmm. uh while they were married married king inherited a noble title and they became the earl and countess of lovelace thus that's oh. where lovelace oh, comes I like from that Countess Lovelace. Yes. What a... Oh, I like that a lot. She also has the nickname the Enchantress of Numbers. Oh! But we'll get into oh, that Oh, that's later. even sexier. <laughs> she's a real... She's a real... little spitfire. Yeah. I like it. I couldn't think of words there for people listening. It's, I was just moving my fingers yeah, a lot. She's giving me spirit fingers and bedroom eyes and <laughs> waiting for something to come. <laughs> I was waiting for inspiration and never came. Oh, well. So, (laughs) together, Anna and William had three children. Byron, Anne Isabella, which they just called Annabella, and Ralph Gordon. Ralph. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Ralph. (laughs) What a name. Um, Immediately after the birth of Annabella and prior to Ralph Gordon, Anna experienced a tedious and suffering illness again. Which took months to cure. Mm-hmm. She was just experiencing chronic pain. Oof. Now that Ada was a mother, Ada's mother... Yes. ...decided that she should hire a man to teach Ada's children and Ada herself to act more morally. Ugh. Because the mom was like, I'm just going to keep controlling my daughter's life. Um, the worst. The instructor fell for Ada, 
married woman, mm-hmm. um, and encouraged her to express any affection that she had towards him. <laughs> Just in case it comes up. Well. Willing and open. Yes. Okay. But he made it clear that, you know, you can tell me because I'm a married man, so I won't do anything unbecoming because I'm married if you were to happen to tell me that you liked me. Oh my gosh. Full of shit. Full of shit. And when it became clear that he was trying to start an affair. Yeah. Ada kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I don't Way believe to go. that she was yeah. having affairs on her husband. Yeah. She's like, I fucking, I know what, what's happening here. Yeah. I'm not dumb. Yeah. Clearly. In fact, I'm super fucking smart. <laughs> Way smarter than you, probably. Bye. He was actually a pretty big deal. He. It, it does. Look. Sorry. It doesn't no. matter. Yeah, she was smarter. Yeah. So, fuck you. <laughs> Not fuck you. Him. <laughs> fuck that. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> um, in her and her husband's social circle, Ada had many friends and people that had admired her brilliance. Uh, one very important person in her life who admired her was a Mr. Charles Babbage. That name sounds familiar. Yeah. He's okay. a pretty famous guy. Um, <laughs> real casual he's pretty famous and i'm like oh i'm sure he is so he was also another mathematician okay so that's why he's not like famous famous but mm-hmm. babbage was the inventor of the difference engine which is like an an elaborate calculating machine that operated by the method of finite differences aka made a big calculator gotcha and it's really big because that was one of the things that i saw uh-huh. at the museum oh about the size of the, the podcast dome. <laughs> it was huge. That's a big calculator. Yeah. And now and we it just... only did, like, I think, addition and subtraction. Wow. And now we just have them on our phones and nobody uses them. Mm-hmm. I use that to add tip. Because I'm oh. not going to calculate that in my mind. <laughs> what do I, who do I look like? Add a lovelace? Look, you just round it. I'm not it. white. That's all. <laughs> Look nothing like I her. I love your fucking qualifier for not being at a Lovelace is that you're not white. <laughs> Nor a mathematician. Mm-hmm. None of those things. I'm not rich. Mm. I don't have a gambling problem. You don't do opium Mm-mm. that I know of. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Just to clarify, there's no opium anywhere. You have poppy flowers outside. I do. We have the option. <laughs> We're going to need a fuckload more poppies. That's <laughs> true. And like the ability to make. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a scientist. What do I look like? Ada Lovelace? I'm not white. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so. Okay. Big calculator. <clears throat> Over the years, Ada and Babbage. Corresponded on topics of, like, math. They talked about logic all the time. And, like, just everything under the sun. They, uh-huh. were, they were thinkers, you know? Mm-hmm. Those goddamn intellectuals. Those goddamn intellectuals. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, they could be considered close friends. Mm-hmm. In 1934, it was no surprise when Babbage was like, Hey, Ada, I have some notes that somebody wrote about my future project that I wanted to work on. Uh-huh. Like, criticizing it or whatever i don't know though because it's written in french and i don't speak french Uh uh-huh could you translate it and she was like yeah totally 
You're my oh. friend. Oh, I'll translate. Nice. And it was about the analytical machine. So it would be a step farther than the difference machine and would uh-huh. do more computing. Oh, okay. Ada translated the notes on it, but she also added her own observations to them. Mm. In total, the notes that she took over a nine-month period were longer than the original thing she was translating. Oh. Because she just had wow. so much to... She was so smart and was just like, blah, blah, this, 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 math, <laughs> addition. I can't. Subtraction. Mm-mm. Calculus. <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> it's all the notes that she was writing down. Uh, <laughs> just in really big letters that so took up more pages. <laughs> it was clear that she understood the plans for the device. And not only that, she was better at articulating the actual function of the machine than okay. Babbage was. Oh. So people... So Babbage created the difference engine. But it wasn't finished. Okay. And he was like, I'm done with that. I'm going to look on bigger and better things, the analytical engine. Uh Uh-huh. But everybody was like, finish the difference engine. We'll talk analytical. Also, what's the difference? Yeah. And he couldn't really say it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) He couldn't articulate it Uh very well. But Ada did. And it got more people on their side. Okay. She saw the machine for what it was. And we would call it like a general use computer. Okay. Oh, okay. In the 1800s. Wow. She they were this is what they were smart people thinking about computers not even around. They didn't have did they have plastic then? I don't think they even had plastic then or like electricity. Or, they had electricity, didn't they? When is this? 1800s? Like 1830s? Oh, maybe not then, yeah. Okay. I don't think so, not yet. I, I was, okay. Pre-industrial yeah. revolution. Yeah. Um, it's a steam engine. It's a steam yeah. powered computer. <laughs> <laughs> Throw well, some coal in there. I have to type an email. The difference engine is huge and it's made entirely of like wood and rope. I saw it and I had no idea how it would work. Mm-mm. It's yeah. <laughs> nope. So the analytical machine was suited for quote, developing and tabulating any function, whatever the engine is the material expression of any indefinite function of any degree of generality and complexity. She was saying this shit. People understood it. I guess. (laughs) Uh, I'm not a mathematician. I got nothing (laughs) from that. And it was at this time that he started referring to her as the enchantress of numbers. Okay. Because she was she was demystifying. She fucking gets it. The mystical numbers. I don't. So Ada's notes were labeled alphabetically from A G. Most famously is note G. So okay. in note G, she describes an algorithm for the analytical engine to compute Bernoulli numbers. Unimportant what it did. Yeah. It's considered to be the first published algorithm ever. Mm-hmm. And was specifically tailored for a computer. So she's described as the first computer programmer. That's fucking wild. Years, years, years before a computer was invented. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking watch out, Wozniak. <laughs> Ada's coming for you. Ada's been there. She'd been there, done that. You didn't even notice you're a ghost. You already <laughs> did. She butchered you. Also in her notes, she, with her imagination and her poetic mind, uh-huh. she thought that they could go farther than just computing, uh-huh. which is, she basically 
thought up the computer. Computer light. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> specifically, her thing was like, computers are going to generate music one day. Uh-huh. I bet you. Wow. <laughs> she called herself an analyst and metaphysician and like clearly seen in her notes and stuff. Uh-huh. So this is, that was what made her most famous uh-huh. for these notes. And it wasn't seen in her time as like very, it was, she was seen as brilliant this specifically wasn't a huge deal. Uh-huh. It wasn't Yeah, until- because people didn't understand what the fuck, like, the repercussions of it, like, in the future were going to be. And now mm-hmm. we can look back and be like, oh, shit, she was so fucking smart. This what is this crazy. <laughs> However, around this time, she was getting all these breakthroughs and stuff. Uh-huh. Her vices were getting out of control. Uh-oh. Specifically, her gambling habit. So she once lost 3,200 pounds in that time, Ooh. betting on the wrong horse at, a, like, a derby. Um, her gambling was dwindling family finances, so much so that she was forced to secretly pawn the Lovelace diamonds. Oh! <laughs> yes. Ada often tried to use her talents in math and theory. She's trying to count the cards. To... But for, like, horse racing. Yeah. Yeah. So she tried to program the outcomes of the horse races and, like, probabilities Uh and all that stuff. But it wasn't always working out. And it's believed that her and Babbage had a mysterious book that was Mm -hmm. passed between them once a week. Mm. That was doing the, like, like probability Uh of Uh the horse races. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But she wasn't very good at it because she kept losing. That's a bummer. (laughs) <laughs> It'd be wild if you could, if she actually could, like, calculate. I mean, to a certain extent, there are factors that you can figure out, right? Mm-hmm. But if she was like, all right, based on this, 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 and this, all right, fucking winter chestnut is going to win <laughs> this one. There's a horse <clears throat> named Hoofhearted. Hoofhearted? Mm-hmm. But when the, <laughs> I get it. When the announcers say it real fast, it's... <laughs> Who farted? <laughs> That's good. That's it's some good stuff. Good shit. <laughs> so she also, aside from her vices, she also spent time studying phrenology and mesmerism. Ooh, love it. Which love it. are now considered pseudosciences. Uh-huh. Um, but she was really well-respected in these fields. Uh, she believed that math would be able to answer any questions about the universe. And she deci- desired to create a mathematical model for how the brain gives rise to thoughts okay. and how your body feels emotion. So, like, when you're angry, you have a pit in your stomach. Yeah. Why? What, what math is happening in uh-huh. your body? That's really cool. So, she wanted, essentially, a calculus of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. She never achieved it, obviously. <laughs> but, but mostly because... Rad fucking idea. It is. It's really cool. She never achieved it, and it's mostly because in 1851, she was diagnosed with uterine cancer and became very, very ill. Um, The illness lasted several months, in which time Annabella, her daughter, took command over whom Ada saw and, like, would monitor who was visiting her. Yeah. One person who visited her, Charles Dickens. Fun fact. Really? They were friends. Hmm, How about that? Yeah. Under... 
Under Ada's mother's influence, because she's still in her life. This bitch. Uh, Ada had a religious transformation and was coaxed into repenting for any previous sins of before course. her death. Of course. Um, three months before her death, her husband abandoned her on her deathbed because she confessed something to him. Uh-huh. Of it, no one knows what it was. Oh. But it was obviously so bad that he left her <laughs> on her deathbed. Oh, shit. Yeah. He was no longer by her side. It's... Some speculate it was an affair. Uh-huh. But it also maybe could have been something to do with the gambling addiction and her pawning. Yeah. Di- there was a lot of things that could have been happening. Mm-hmm. But it was bad. And in 19... 19- in I always do that. In 1852, <laughs> Lovelace died at the age of 36. Oh, my... Really? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the same age that her father was when he died. Huh. At her request, she was buried next to her father Uh at the Church of St. Mary Magdalene in Hocknell, Nottinghamshire. Mm. And that's where she lays today with him. Fun, sad fact. (laughs) Fun, sad fact about Ada. Uh Uh-huh. She obviously had a hard life. Uh Uh-huh. And wasn't a great mother. She also wasn't a great mother to her kids and told Anna at some point, I think on her deathbed, that she wasn't going to live past 36. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Shit. Yeah. And one day I'll talk about Anna because she's Uh pretty famous in her own right. But she, in her life, when she (laughs) turned 37, Uh was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? (gasps) She was like emotionally distraught because she was right just stunted yeah like uh well i made it yeah oh my that's crazy that's like some sort of weird fucking curse or something yeah i mean the curse that didn't come true but then completely (laughs) i mean she was shooketh yeah yeah anyways that's just a fun fact about her Hmm. i almost did her i almost did ada for mother's day because remember when oh, I was like, yeah. I'm going to do a bad mother. <laughs> That's right. Because it was Ada. <laughs> In the 1980s, mm-hmm. fast forward, Ada's dead. The United States Department of Defense created a computer language called Ada that was named after Ada yes. Lovelace. Also, there is official is an official Ada Lovelace Day. And it is an annual event celebrated on the second Tuesday of October. And it began in 2009. Uh-huh. So kind of recent. But its goal is to raise the profile of women in science, technology, engineering, and math. Yeah, we love women in STEM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of locally in Seattle, there is an academy called Ada Developers Academy. Oh, wow. And it's specifically a nonprofit that seeks to increase diversity in tech by training women, trans, and non-binary people to be software engineers. That's fucking rad. Yeah. So, like, in her time, she probably was just... I mean, not probably. She was a pretty selfish lady. Yeah. But her legacy is being used as a selfless, emblematic Mm -hmm. thing of women in STEM. And being progressive and Mm -hmm. thoughtful. Yeah. That's awesome. She's a wild lady. She is a wild lady. I knew very little about her. I'm really glad that you did her. That's so cool. (laughs) I'm really glad that you didn't do her so that I could do her. Because that would have been a hell of a time. I, you would have been telling me, it would have been one of those things where you're talking to me and I'd be like, um, and this, and this, exactly. and this. Also, this happened. 
I don't 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 forget this little fact. No. Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah. Fun I would have done it better. <laughs> Fun fact, did you know this happened? Yes, Kiana. I was that's the third bullet point. Thank you. <laughs> Can you shut the fuck up now? Yeah. Oh Yay. man. Okay. Right. That was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. We've reached the end. We have. We're into the we're into the please, end of the line. Please. If you if if you so please to rate, review, and subscribe. Please, sir. Please, sir. <laughs> Can and you rate, review, and subscribe some more. Some more. <laughs> can we have some more stars, please? <laughs> and then you can, you know, go and do the things on the socials. Mm-hmm. We are on Facebook and Instagram at that broads got moxie, and then on Twitter at broads got moxie. Sure are. We also have an email address that you can contact us at if you have any fun stories or addition to mm-hmm. this story, whatever, at thatbroadsgutmoxie at gmail.com. That's right. All right. Okay. You ready? Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.